discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. They believe, and this is a big one, nothing. (laughs) Joel, you can't just say something like that out loud. God's going to smite you sick. That's fair. Can I offer a counter? No. Yes. <laughs> it's just copying the cult of dinosaurs, anyways, right? So. No. no it's, did you have to do <laughs> All right. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. I'm one of your members here, Caleb, and I recently stubbed my toe and it hurts. To my left. Uh, I'm Joel, and I just recently witnessed someone stub their toe. And to my left. Uh, I'm Colton, and I was unaware that anyone's toe was stubbed, uh, but to my left. I'm Josh. To my left is me, Caleb, with yeah. my toe still hurting. Josh. Yes. You read a book recently. I did. On our topic, communion. Yes. Can you take us through, to journey through this book with us? Yes. For us. Um, this book is called The Lord's Supper as the Sign and Meal of the New Covenant by Guy Prentice Waters. Very... Anxious name. Holy moly. Wow. <laughs> right from the cover. I don't think you picked it. Also, though, the, that series. It's... Yes. The short studies of biblical theology. Such a good series. Um, now, Guy Prentice Waters is probably not pretentious at all, but... You're walking it back now, are we? <laughs> no, I'm just saying the name. It sounds Immediate like... apology. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a short book. It's 115 pages long. Um, and he takes you through a biblical theology of the covenant of the Lord's Supper and covenants more loosely, but specifically around meals. Um, so the Passover comes up. At the beginning, the tree does come up um, because this guy is a bit reformed in his thinking. And then it gets into like the the other meals in the um, the holidays. They're not holidays. The Jewish. festivals. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The booths, the, all yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. Festival Tabernacles. Mm-hmm. Does it become um, kind of a typology of supper? It be, it's, a, awesome. it's a typology of covenant signs. Cool. Um, okay. But specifically, the Lord's Supper. And so it starts off with just discussing covenant basics. Like, mm-hmm. what does it look like that a covenant is formed? And more importantly, a covenant assigned by God. Um, there are basic signs like he always approaches the individual or group. Um, there's, there is usually a physical representation on the person and a practice as a result, or one of those two, depending on the covenant. So like the Davidic covenant is the outlier because it's a reinstatement uh, and a further fleshing out of one that already exists. Um, There's the universal covenant. And this is what's interesting. The Noahic covenant, the sign that is presented is not for the person Mm. he's making the covenant with for himself. He says, when I look at it, mm-hmm. I will remember you and not. Because the covenant signs are always as a notion of remembrance and for where you stand in yeah. the community. And so circumcision, baptism, if you follow that leaning, is they are signs of you as the community are in the group that is in covenant with the God. Okay. Um, and then the meals are a practice symbolizing your partaking as a, a, you're partaking in the covenant. Um, yeah, we're bleeding immediately into our topic. 
Yeah, we did go pretty on the nose with the what have you read for this episode. Yeah, it, um, we did. It mm-hmm. seemed appropriate. When we do a Sabbath episode, we'll read the Sabbath book. This is good. Um, yeah. Question about the book, though. Yes. Where would you place it in approachability? Approachability? Super easy. Okay. Like, I would recommend this to one of my youth. Okay. If they were okay. asking, like, what does it look like? What do, what do covenants look like? And I would recommend it to one of my youth because I go to a Reformed church. So it would fit in right along with mm-hmm. our theology. How but, would would you consider it its content towards youth? Or, like, most things in that series has a pretty... For what for the approachability mm-hmm. is pretty deep for what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I said at the beginning, Guy Prentice is not actually pretentious <laughs> because his writing is very approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very good at just laying it out. The scripture he he doesn't like layer on scripture. Like you know that sometimes heavy theologians will put like in one paragraph they'll quote scripture like eighteen times with like half. Greek half, interlaid. Yeah, and half yeah, quoted prepared. texts. And then at the this, end, you're just like, I guess you're right. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do the work. Words, yeah, yeah like, gonna you, gonna do you have to, to have out. memorized like 18 yeah. of them to understand what he's saying. Yep. Um, this guy is just like, here's a quote. Here's a paragraph or two or a couple pages on it. And much like the books in Short Studies in Biblical Theology, it's meant to be read by people yeah. who understand these ideas yeah. as presented in Biblical Theology. Yeah, exactly. And he does it very simply with the like the the chapters are laid out covenant basics covenant signs covenant meals the lord's supper conclusion for the church Wait, this is short studies in systematic theology though right this is biblical. biblical biblical okay yeah. systematics is a different series yes with a much more boring cover yeah yeah that's true it looks like you would find it at an info desk at a university <laughs> He's right. <laughs> one of those phone book theology books, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hard to look at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one's got a nice... What color is that, guys? Wine? <laughs> <laughs> a, true, a true burgundy wine. I yeah. like that for the split second, the listener's going to go, I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> what color is that, audience? No, I was asking yeah, you tell us what color you think it, it is. It's a nice wine color. <laughs> I was asking you guys what color that it was, because I'm colorblind. <laughs> for our audio listeners... <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, and then the rest of the cover is Green, a obviously. glass of wine and a piece of bread. Nice. So it's a good book. I'd recommend it. It's going to be up on the book review section for sure, right? Yeah. Guy Prentice Waters, PhD at Duke University. Yeah. Very good. Presbyterian. Just reform. So a lot of the ideas that we're going to be talking about today come pretty directly from that book. Is that right? A lot of, I share a lot of agreement with this, okay. with this guy, because of both our origins. Um, <laughs> origin stories the place place we're from. Yeah. yeah. That is what origin means. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is a short 100 pages of just great, great work. Um, okay. Yeah. Caleb, you also read this book. No, you bought it for my birthday, <laughs> and then I was like, I have other stuff to read. Oh, I've yeah. read portions of this book. Um. Joel, uh, do you want to tell the people about our social media? Yeah, right off the bat. Um, I just mentioned the book review section. That's going to be on our website. Uh, follow us on Instagram and all that other stuff because Where we're trying fo- to do a lot. And, you know, don't you, you blink, you miss it for a lot of these things. Or YouTube just decides that you don't want to see it, <laughs> so it never gets rec- recommended to you. So go to our YouTube, go to our Instagram, go to all that stuff. Yeah. What are you going to say, cool. say there, Colton? What what's the name of our uh, name of our Instagram? Second Rate Saints. Perfect. Easy. 
You want to you guess what our, what our uh, website's called? <laughs> Third-rate Saints? Third-rate Saints. No, it's second-rate Saints again. Oh, dang you it. You get your one, one letter off. Oh, wait. What's the Twitter? The Twitter that we don't really post on? It's there. Maybe someday you know, it'll be If you guys used. could follow our Twitter, that'd be kind of awesome. <laughs> there's it's only bigger than our Instagram. We have a Joel Osteen bot account that's asked to be my friend multiple times. Our, actually, they asked us, us for money. our beloved. Yeah, he said, he our did. beloved, send me $5 and I'll pray for you. This is the third time said. we're mentioning this on, a po- on an episode. Really? Yeah, yes. I feel like I don't. I never get to talk. About I think it. we're hoping that eventually Joel Austin reads this and then finds this guy, or it's actually him. It could mm. be his personal time. Yeah. He listens well, to us. As as a reference to remembrance, can anyone remember what we were talking about before we started talking about? <laughs> yes, uh, okay. we were talking about as the title of the book, the Lord's Supper, um, communion, or the Eucharist, depending on the denomination that you fall under. You'll call it different things. The sacrament. What or ordinance. Yeah. Um, that's a lot ordinance. of what we're going to be talking about is the differences. Um, but yeah, so there, the Lord's Supper is, it is one of the, like, the two hallmarks of Christian faith. Yes. One of the two practices that when you're a Christian, you do. Instituted by Christ. Instituted by Christ. You are, mm-hmm. you get baptized, do communion. Mm-hmm. And... With baptism, there's the, you know, the passages where Christ gets baptized. He commands them to baptize. Um, but with the Lord's Supper, there's a really interesting and melancholy start of the Lord's Supper. And it's the last supper, the last meal that Jesus shares with his disciples. And that's when he, at Passover, and that's why you have the similarities between it, bread and wine. But the, the Lord's Supper, sorry, the Passover was a whole meal unto itself. Yep. Notably, only Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the Last Supper. Yes. Yeah. But John has an interesting passage in John yeah. 6. And John, yeah, John has an interesting passage yeah. in John 6. Also, John has a lot more recorded of the ongoings on, yes, like the dialogue and the discussion. Yeah. But not related to the event that happened yes. when they were participating in Passover that directly reflects our topic. Yeah. And that's the eat of my... Flesh? Is that, is that that's, the, that's the that's John's, the passage that's, of John. That's yeah, yeah. Okay, but there's a you have the high priestly discourse, which John yes. records, which is mm-hmm. takes over several chapters, which would yeah. all take place around Passover. And I've actually heard, I've actually read a couple of people that mm-hmm. try to read that into communion because they know from the other gospels that that's what's going yeah. on in there. I don't think that's mm-hmm. solid. Interesting attempts, but yeah, John doesn't. Uh, John at Passover doesn't say anything. Yeah, and that's interesting. And then the other major passage is 1 Corinthians 10 and 1 Corinthians 11, mm-hmm. where Paul talks to the Corinthian church for messing up, for not partaking in the Lord's Supper properly, dividing the church amongst the poor and the rich mm-hmm. through inappropriate eating practices instead of celebrating the Lord's Supper as a proper as a ritual, body, yeah. as the body. Mm-hmm. And he had some pretty heavy things onto that to say. For those interested in it, there's a lot of debate in uh, the development of it over the development of the phraseology over the course of the New Testament based off of when stuff is written. Um, It's interesting beyond the depth of this episode, to be honest with you, Mm. but it's a super cool rabbit trail, a rabbit hole if you're into that sort of stuff because you do see the phraseology with the later books being written. You do see the phraseology begin to become more, let's say, sacramental even. It's interesting. I'd recommend it if you're bored one day and have the tools to look at that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much water it holds. 
So within the three Gospels that record the Last Supper, there are phrasings that differ slightly. So in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 26, he says, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and then he had given thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then you've got Mark, which says, Take, this is my body, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. And the Luke one differs more drastically. Uh, He says, And he took the cup, and then he had given thanks. He said, Take this, and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread that he had given thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you. is the new covenant in my blood. And then he gets right into the betrayal. Mm-hmm. But, which has got to be a real hard note for Judas, if he's thinking about that. <laughs> I don't know. You think uh, Judas ate and drank judgment upon himself when he took communion? That's kind of the next thing you want to bring up is the Corinthians passage. Yeah. Um, I guess whoever eats and drinks this with an unrepentant heart will eat and drink judgment upon themselves. It's um, it's just funny to me. Yeah, yes. no, I, I realize the joke you're going for there, but that's honestly when we said we were going to talk about communion, that was one of the first things I thought about. It's interesting because, hey, this might be a rabbit trail. And this might be a little bit of like me being nitpicky. Mm-hmm. Um, I do find it interesting that people are more, especially in Protestant circles, not just Protestant circles, perhaps circles that are more Wesleyan and holiness in origin. When you mention communion, the first thing they think of is, I got to do this right, otherwise God's going to judge me, rather mm-hmm. than I participate in a mm-hmm. covenant with God. Because that's my like, that's my thing as well. When people bring up communion, I immediately jump to well, you have to do it in the right repentant heart. Otherwise, you know, yeah, God's going to smite you <laughs> sick. Yeah. And that's um, a bummer. Yeah. I don't know. I've never seen it quite like that. I think it's almost a reminder to have a repentant heart. I've, I've always interpreted it as, well, my, mind, my brain has always gone straight to make sure you do it right. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's the right vibe. Shall I read the uh, yes. Corinthians passage? Yeah, Part of sure. it. Um, So he says, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Just straight up. Mm -hmm. For in eating, each one goes ahead of his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I command you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I have always delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And then he had given thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this cup bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. You want to get into a little bit of the background, what was going on in Corinth at that time? Maybe a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you know it off the top of your head, then go for it. Oh, it's just when they meet for their meal, mm-hmm. people would 
basically not wait for everyone else to come. The, the argument is that the slaves had to be in longer out longer hours. I've heard mm -hmm. that argument. And so they would be later. And so basically everyone who's not a slave, who's a free person, or at least not even just a, a worker, would eat the vast majority of the meal and leave. And they would, the, the slaves in the lower class would come and they'd be like, what's going on? There's nothing here. Like, and that's why Paul goes, what you're doing is not the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Mm. Um, some people who are eating like a meal's worth, some people are getting drunk. Yeah. So yeah. they're obviously not taking it very seriously. Yeah. Um, that is, that's the context. That's the thing that Paul is addressing, addressing there in that verse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you think that that controversy in Corinthians has... An application in the current day, in the way that we take communion now. I think we need to take communion with reverency. I think that's definitely an aspect yep. there, right? However, I think that to the to the proportions that people go sometimes at church and will go like, "Ah, you're not taking it seriously enough," to the point of you are eating judgment upon yourself. They 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 don't. I would say they over apply that verse. Also, depending on how you see what communion is, it also will change how much impact that verse has too. Yeah. Well, then why is it so popular with non-denominationals? Interesting. Who has the lowest opinion? So if it is just symbolic, or if it's just to remember, then why is it so important based off of this verse? Is it just that we have bad hermeneutics and bad theology? Is that, is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> that shouldn't be it. Like, I honestly, I, I am completely of the opinion that you shouldn't eat and drink with an unrepentant heart, or else you will drink judgment upon yourself and people should know that because it's the terms and conditions of taking the Lord's does, Supper. Does it say with an unrepentant heart in there? That's always how I've heard it. I'm mm -hmm. sure it's some Same. King James thing that got slipped in there and just never got <laughs> the out. Ex, yeah. The extra verses. Because um, I, I, Yes, it's uh, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. But the unworthy manner that they're talking about is there is is more about the context in which you eat it. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose. 1 Corinthians 10, mm -hmm. um, 14 to 22. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak to you as sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not the participation of the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not our participation in the body of Christ? As there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all share we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel um, are not those who eat the sacrifices, participate in the altar. What do I imply then? Nope, I thought it was there. But anyways, still um, passage. The word of the Lord. The next verse. <laughs> the word learned. of the Lord. Yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> the word of the Lord in a completely out of context matter. I love it. No, um, I love it. Partial context. The the verse right after what I was reading was everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the mm -hmm. bread and drink the cup. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what they're going for. Yeah, I think that is what's what's I on think, an individual level. Yeah, I think that that's that's the verse that you would point to, um, if you were going to say specifically like, hey, you shouldn't, don't be unrepentant, don't be, uh, don't have a have a contrite heart before God. Yeah. Do you, Do you guys think that one of the reasons why he's saying like? This judgment will be upon you is this the eschatological idea um this idea because he's like you do this for you proclaim jesus is coming with it so if you don't judgment will be on you in the same eschatological sense i that's that's my understanding but i don't know if it's necessarily like a you are no longer god's no, people no, 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 in no. that sense but i think it's let's break down what the eschatological sense of the lord's supper would be his return 
Okay, yeah. So you yeah. do this. The idea is to proclaim his return. Okay, yeah. Right. So the idea of you not doing it would just be that you're not expecting Christ's return. Therefore, you will not reign with him when he comes. Because so it's not something specific in the act of communion. It's just because you remembered it means that you already have the conditions necessary to be part of the kingdom of God when it comes. Sure. Is it That's like super deep? I don't think it is. <laughs> no, I've just well, never. It's kind of one of those things. Is like when you press the button. Is it because? Wait, why'd you do it? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I understand. And it broke it as I looked at Josh. I was like, "This is not the right button." Press. No, it's one of the things is like when you press the button, is the button going down? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it. I think you've. I think you got lost in your own well, you know metaphor. What? We'll have a chat over coffee later, and I'll explain. Good. Absolutely. Um, um, I. Go ahead. Can I mention something? Yep. So. For my bit of studying on this passage, um, I looked at early church stuff. Good. Um, so in the early church, they held there was two things in tandem with the celebration of the Lord's Supper, which for the first hundred years was always in a like reflected in Corinthians a full meal setting. Mm -hmm. You had a full meal with the body of Christ, with the local church. Yes. Um, and there was the theme, the twin themes of covenant and eschatological expectation yep, and yep. those were held in tandem as things progressed those started to both deviate right. eschatological became very fairly like almost like enshrined a little bit more covenantal became lesser and lesser although never never fully never and, and never yeah. like even unnoticeable and it became the actual eating of the the bread and drinking of the wine became ritualistic in nature uh, removed from the from the from this meal that they would have together. Okay. Also, when it was celebrated, shifted days several times, but it all depended on where you are in the empire. And now I'm devolving into a bunch of different notes that no one cares about. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's all just at least you're self aware. <laughs> it's just copying the cult of Dionysus, anyways, right? So oh, no, it's, mm. did you have to do? Here, do you mm. see this, this pencil? It it's could fit right in your eye. <laughs> well, I'm put some dirt in your eye. <laughs> okay, then. back to the early church. Now that we've gotten our our reference from the early two thousands, <laughs> yeah, the early church by uh, Justin Martyr, which lived from one hundred A.D. to one to one sixty five. Um, he was technically an apologist. Um, there was a lot of rumors going around Rome, and because they had a really big rise in like Gnostic cults and all that kind of stuff. And so one of the charges against Christianity is that they practice cannibalism. Because I mean, to be fair, if people start saying like, hey, uh, yeah, we eat the blood and body of a man uh, every time we gather in church, people mm -hmm. are like, uh, we're, that's not okay. What? <laughs> what? Excuse me. Well, were they, were the, hold on, what? <laughs> did, did, no, no, did they did, actually? Didn't, didn't the Romans go after them for cannibalism? Yes. Yeah. Multiple times. They would yeah. torture people till death. Yeah. Yeah, for it. They went after them for being atheists and cannibals, which is ironic. <laughs> they were actually cannibals. They just believed they were. <laughs> the Catholic answer is yes. <laughs> the Catholics still believe they're cannibals. Oh, well, that is sacrilegious. Funny. <laughs> okay, back to the church again. No, no, let's camp on this for a second. What makes it not cannibalism? Well, that the the form God. of the object does not change according to I Catholic. think if you don't believe it's cannibalism, then you're not acknowledging Christ as fully human and fully God. 
Will you accept 50% cannibalism? No. Okay. Joel, you can't just say something like that out loud. (laughs) 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 I'm joking. Um, You're right, but I still don't get it. Yeah. We'll get into the denominational differences, right? It's because you you aren't confirmed. You can't take communion. That's why you don't get it. Um, You can't there. So Justin Martyr put up a couple, like, there's four stipulations on who can take communion. They have to be, um, or no, not who can take communion. Um, yeah, sure, we'll start there. They they must believe the, that the Christian teachings are true. He's just open, like, you have to believe in Christian doctrine the way we do. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, just pretty top-down authoritative. Uh, second, they must be baptized. Mm-hmm. You had to be baptized. And there may even be a long period in which you believe but are not baptized yet. And in that period, you could not take communion. Um, And three, they must be actively living out the Christian teachings during the Lord, during the Lord's Supper, the practice of the Lord's Supper. um, There's four things that were normally common, according to his description. Baptisms would take place, Mm -hmm. communal prayer. There's a blessing of the elements by what he calls the president of the assembly. Mm -hmm. So it's unclear whether or not this could be like a leader of a household at this time, a bishop, a priest. Is that... Similar to what we see in a lot of churches where they like the, where they'll recite either Corinthians or no. Luke or something. I would no? say it's different. Like in a prayer over it, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Um, more yeah. in a ritualistic way. Closer to mm. like Catholic consecration. Yeah. The, okay. the bishop of the church has yeah. to, that makes because sense. Bef- unless he does that, it does not become the body and blood of Christ. It's, yeah. I don't know if that is what Justin Martyrs described. No, Catholics that, might yeah. say that. But Catholics will say that because they have a special room where you put the, sacrament after mm-hmm. which is like special for it because like it's still the, the body of, of like, christ i like it's, the amount of special stuff it's that the still the body get. of christ until it is consumed yeah to waste it would be to waste the body of christ um and the fourth thing the deacons were the ones who distributed the elements yep specifically the deacons hmm. joel you had that face when people i was just wondering what they did with it because if well, you can't just throw it in the garbage, I'm assuming you can't do that. The body of Christ can't decompose. It says yeah. so in, in no. Isaiah, I think, right? Uh, until next communion. His body will not see decay. Yeah. <laughs> until well, I mean, um the next Sunday, because they're communion wafers. Oh. Oh. Yeah. But, but when it wasn't. Is it a communion wafer? Or is it they a just s- have to eat moldy piece bread? of flesh? Yeah, kind of. Was there one like staff member in charge of eating all the... Well, it, it there, doesn't. It doesn't just sit on the table as like actual flesh. It's once you consume it, right? Yeah. Yeah, but when it's yeah, the, mo- the bread would said get moldy. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the bread but, gets moldy. But there, are, there are stories of priests who consecrate stuff. Only a few people come, and they have to drink and eat all of the yeah. wine <laughs> and eat the bread. That's, that's the origin of the drug drunk priest. Yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome. archetype <laughs> was because you have to finish the wine. Yeah. Blood of Christ. Every. Every yeah, day wow. you celebrate the Lord's Supper, drunk. <laughs> Which is funny, based on Corinthians. But anyway, yeah, it's a little, mm-hmm. that happened after, not before. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna just mm. aggravate a bunch of Catholics. I feel everybody. so bad. We're gonna aggravate all the people on this one, guys. Be I'm, respectful. I'm really not trying to be irreverent about it, but sometimes yeah. it's like I, I don't understand how that situation would play yeah. out. You set up an impossible set of goals for me. Yes. <laughs> The joke is just there. I have to say it. No, it's not the joke. I mean, like, I'm going to eat all the bread. <laughs> I'm going to eat the bread. Once we get into the doctrinal differences between churches, I'm sure that this stuff becomes more relevant when we're talking about, like, 
what does it actually mean? Yeah. This might compound with certain ideas, that kind of thing. Do we mm -hmm. want to just move right into the doctrinal differences? Do we have anything else from the early church, how they, what they believe that's specific? Uh, Ignatius goes like proto-Catholic and then the Eastern church steps back. It's not much. Don't worry about it. So <laughs> what we're saying from the early church is that there's a lot of idea of the covenant and would you say even reverence over the sacraments themselves? Yeah. There's the early church puts forward an idea that is explicitly not explicit right from the beginning. So pre 100, mm -hmm. the church had a covenantal and eschatological interpretation of participation and was linked with meal eating that got removed sometime after a hundred. Those things, those things started to split off and covenantal began to drop and be replaced with eschatological. Right. Um, Did they also believe in exclusivism? Exclusivism. Yes. Intensely. Okay. Like if a church didn't do that heresy, you're no, that is Interesting. horrific. Why are you tossing pearls among swine type stuff? Wrong application of the verse. Yep. I understand. Communicates the motive. Yeah. And they, there's there's elements, especially by the, by the time that you get Ignatius, who was born in 117, lived longer, um, obviously, than Justin Martyr, I believe, as well. Um, and he he gets into more, you see the origins of the, kind of that Catholic understanding, more explicitly Catholic understanding. Um, and a further wedge between the full meal eating and a wedge between the eschatological and covenantal conceptions. That's synopsis from the early church. Fair Very enough. interesting. Um, but as time progresses, everybody gets kind of different ideas of what the Eucharist or communion is. They even call it different things, like the Eucharist or communion. Yeah. Um, I'm partial to commun Holy Communion myself because there's the word holy in it. But um, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, I respect that. Their own. Colton, I respect that. However... It's not just the name that differs between churches. There's a lot of doctrinal things that change. Uh, Can I ask you a question, Colton? Uh, no. Yeah. I said sacrament or ordinance. Ordinance, ordinance ready. Ordinance. <laughs> the beginning of this. Yep. The beginning of this episode. And you went. <laughs> yeah. Can you explain that difference? Why? Between sacraments and ordinance? Mm -hmm. uh, the best I can explain it is. At least in the modern idea of what an ordinance is, it's a direction you're given to symbolize and represent. Uh, you know, like if we're talking specifically the two ordinances that the Baptists specifically, but most evangelicals tend mm. to believe in, is the, uh, the Holy Communion and the baptism. Um, these things are instituted by God. Well, yes, by God, by Jesus specifically. Jesus did both of these things, and he uh, partook in both of these things. All the other sacraments that the Catholic Church and others tend to have, things like um, death rites, we talked about this in during baptism, there's mm -hmm. death rites, there's uh, marriage, there's a couple other things. Those things are un unbiblical because Jesus didn't partake in any of them. Therefore, they're not necessary for salvation. They're not actually instituted as part of the Christian thing as, quote-unquote, sacraments. Okay. The real difference between ordinance and sacraments is not very big, except for that there's a salvific idea in the sacraments, as far as I'm aware. Um, this idea that there's, ask, yeah. if you don't do these things, you either aren't saved or there's something wrong with your salvation, kind of. Or there's uh, some people take it to uh, more purgatory than salvation itself. Yeah. I, I but ordinances don't have that weight to it. It's usually symbolic 
alone or minorly covenantal. Okay. Um, I was reading on this point, Colton, uh, Zwingli, this one author had a really great quote where it says, uh, the, the Lord's supper has as much spiritual, spiritual efficacy as a birthday party. Concerning, Whoa. concerning Zwingli's interpretation. Very yeah. funny. It <laughs> yeah. is very funny. The Anabaptists. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, remembrance only, symbolic emblems, memorialism. Mm. Those, like, a lot of those words are used to describe it. Yeah. Um, and I don't disagree on... Ceremony is a good, like, yeah. it's a ceremony. It's something you do in remembrance or... Yeah. Your, or birthday party, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, whereas sacraments, like, hey, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of important stuff behind this. Yeah. To be fair, though, ordinances don't just say, like, ah, uh, it doesn't yeah. matter. It's, there's still a lot of reverence, usually, I, behind it. I think... There's a lot of things, um, a lot of differences between the between the two words. The issue is, is there's different denominations that use the different use yeah. use different words, mm -hmm. and sacrament is used by denominations that don't always mean, hey, this is a dispensary of grace, or this is a medium of God's grace, um, mm -hmm. in baptism or in communion. And so, I, if if I can try to flesh your idea, and you can tell me whether or not I'm wrong, is it that ordinances see less let's say, effective value in the institution of the thing itself and more about how it functions in the church. Whereas those who say sacrament normally see that there's effective value in the institution itself. This might be too abstract to be actually applicable. Uh, yes, in a way. In terms of like, been, by nature, if you believe that one thing is like, it dispenses God's grace. Yeah, it's going to be more important. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the one that says it's symbolic might not even take actual wine or might not take whatever. Like, they'll change a few things mm -hmm. here and there because it will be... It's symbolic, after all. It's about the idea that matters more than the thing itself. Mm -hmm. um, although, to be fair, there's a lot of Catholic churches that don't use wine, too, as far as I'm aware. Um, I could be wrong on that, actually. Does your church use wine? No. Okay. I'm not a Catholic, though. <laughs> Yes. Uh, in terms of how much it matters, I'd say both do have like it, the idea of it and the, the institution itself does really matter. Uh, if you're a Baptist and you don't, you haven't been baptized and you don't take communion, someone's, the Baptists are going to see that there's something seriously wrong with your salvation. They just don't think that grace itself has been dis like, is the thing that's being withheld from you. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't, okay. I don't know if sac if those who use sacrament vocabulary would think that grace has been withheld from you either there are some in the sacramental camp that might say that but i don't know yeah. if right yeah yeah I, yeah. yeah yeah you just mentioned yeah, yeah. it's rough colton also and my it, church doesn't use wine either mm -hmm. welch's grapefruit juice you. yep yeah we get the fancy packets that have both the, the cracker and the cup they're not fancy wow. they're so sad they're not we, fancy at all we <laughs> they're so fancy That's we we buy loaves of bread and <laughs> cut them into squares jeez louise really fun yeah and we got little plastic cups for the That's wine really good. great josh yes your church does communion differently because you go to a different church yeah the reformed church yes i go to what a is the reformed church. understanding of the eucharist oh um the difference is so the the term used for uh pentecost sorry whoa baptist communion is mm -hmm. symbolic memorialism and the one used by Calvin described is symbolic instrumentalism. 
and the difference is it's described the definition is it is in which the sacrament is the means by which the grace is given is the element in which the means is given he was uh he had an interesting perspective yeah both baptism the difference the other one by some other people is symbolic parallelism Mm -hmm. these three they're 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 very similar i mean memorialism is grace is not conferred by the thing itself or as a means but that it's just a memory a memorial of the grace being conferred through Christ. And God still may confer a grace to you because you did it, but it has nothing really to do with the thing itself. Yeah, yeah. It's memorial. It's memorializing the yes. grace. Uh, symbolic parallelism is where grace is given as the elements are consumed. Yep. So it is through the, the, the food elements itself. elements you gain grace. Yeah. yeah. Um, symbolic instrumentalism, in which the sacrament is the means by which grace is given, it's through partaking in the sacrament with the community, mm-hmm. with the repentant heart. It is a sign that grace is being given only through the Holy Spirit. The thing itself is not giving you grace. Right. The consuming of it is not giving you grace, but it's the partaking in the event. Right. And through eating it, it is a sign, symbol of the grace being conferred. Okay, when we say grace being conferred, what do we what do we mean in this instance? Like, just what does it mean to receive God's grace in terms of communion? Yeah, that's my whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, specifically, it's uh, a, an element of sanctification. Okay, the san- like God has grace on you and your soul in terms of eternal like salvation kind of idea, or in terms yeah. of like you're growing closer with God. Yes. Yes, as in both, or yes, as in one of the two. <laughs> I think we arrived at the same conclusion in the sanctification episode. There's a lot mm-hmm. of yes to I, okay. multiple questions. Mm. If grace is conferred through the actual consumption of the wine and, and bread, someone who does not have access to wine and bread mm-hmm. for a year and yes. doesn't, doesn't partake in communion... Yes. Does not receive God's grace. Does not. Well, <clears throat> I won't even. Don't even. I wouldn't even get there. Okay. Let's let's make the argument more in favor. Okay. Yep. Um. And yet another person does. Yes. Yet in other in all other ways are the same. Does the person who partook in communion further along in their sanctification based off of their no why why could, why understand it as a means by which grace is given in regards to sanctific- sanctification then. Because what's what's the purpose of it? If if the same effect is, can be produced without it, and it's all about and grace predominantly has to do with your justification in like an eschatological whole world, like yes. you are justified before God. Period. Yeah. Um, I I am reluctant to use the words of it is a dispenser of grace. It is a dispenser of grace because through it you are partaking in the covenant. Okay. But is that the words used by people who do these kinds of things and say, like, do, for example, do Lutherans say that you are be given God's grace through the sacrament? If you are, if you are made, if you are in union with Christ through his death and resurrection Mm -hmm. in the covenant, you are give, you are conferred grace by God. Okay. And this might just be because I'm being picky with words now. Yes. Um, it's the covenant that gives you grace. You are yes. in God's covenant. Yes. And 
taking communion is your participation in the covenant. Yes. So it would be weird then in in that view to say grace is conferred via the taking of the bread and wine because it's the bread and wine that you are taking in the meal. I, I don't think there's as much function to communion as we're all inferring. No, I agree. But those who believe that it does are, there's not like only like 12 of them. There's quite a big portion of the church. Actually the vast majority of the church. Yeah. Yeah. So why? Because I'm on board with the covenantal thing, but I'm not on board with the thing is the dispenser of grace. That's the part I don't understand. The thing is not the dispenser of grace. The Holy Spirit is. But the thing is, I'm I'm very, well, sure, in terms of what you're talking about, but say, do Lutherans believe that it is the physical elements themselves that confer grace to you? They do. Well, that's what I'm saying. In that sense, why? Why do the Lutherans? Yeah, and the Catholics and... Anglicans? Question mark? Anglicans let you choose. Um, <laughs> uh, the best argument I would give, not because I don't agree with them, mm-hmm. it's, well, here, let's get into it. So the Catholics, the sacrament is efficaciously conveys God's grace ex opero operato by their being performed. <laughs> um, by Jesus, who is the bread and wine, through the change of substance, uh, the bread is made flesh and the wine it, blood. Yeah. It is not... I have a quote here. Um, it is, however, it is not automatic or by the intrinsic power, but by virtue of the saving work of Jesus Christ accomplished once and for all. That's fun. Well, that the, eff- the efficacy of the sacrament depends not on the righteousness of either the celebrant or the recipient, but on the power of God. Yeah, I just had what? a thought. Yeah, so, let's, 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 let's let Joel go. If you come to uh, the Lord's Supper with a repentant heart mm-hmm. and in the act of drinking it, you are repenting, and does that not make the moment of taking the Lord's Supper also the exact moment of repentance, and thus grace dispensed by the Holy Spirit in the forgiveness of your sins, which then would tie you back into the covenant, but then also expecting Christ's return, which would tie you into the eschatological sense. So you're just the centerpiece, the, the fulcrum of God's ultimate plan is in the moment of... That's interesting. But then it can also just be in the moment of your repentance, but then it doesn't have the ritualistic ordinance idea. I would need to think back. about that. So a the reason so why... Over a, a period of time, there's one moment yep. where you had one shot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> one opportunity. <laughs> one opportunity. One cup of Welch's grape juice. <laughs> yeah. And as you drink that, you are drinking it with a repentant heart, making sure that you are you know, fit to drink the Lord's Supper, then even in that act of repentance, you're creating what did we call it earlier? Symbolic parallelism, where God's grace is given as the elements are consumed. So if you're doing it correctly, then symbolic parallelism is correct. That would be the argument for parallelism. For parallelism I, I, I might yeah. either just be only catching up to you guys now, no, 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 or no, I'm no, like no, 20 no, minutes That ahead. is the argument for parallelism. You did a great job. Yeah. And that, well, that's then a I very believe that. That's the one I believe. That, yeah, and that's a very interesting point but is on it, parallelism. Is extra grace given to the person well, that's if why they... My problem is. Yeah, that's my problem additionally. Is extra, quote-unquote, extra grace given to the person who partakes in communion as opposed to the person who doesn't? Well, you and don't what repent do we mean by the future. Does the Bible say that we gain grace through it? Or is it like a didact? The didact, does that say that? Actually, because I can imagine the didact would say something like that. Uh, the didact, 
for those who don't know, is a list of ethical mm-hmm. and um, ordinance-based uh, rituals that the, the church should follow. My notes on it are only so much as it hyper-emphasizes the eschatological notes mm-hmm. and then is vehement that the non-baptized can't partake. The, That's all the notes that I have on the it. The argument for grace is that... One, one second. It should also be known that the didact was written in the first century. Yeah. Right? First yeah. century? First, yeah. cent- second first century. turn of the second. Or um, turn of the, yeah, yeah, early. Very yeah. early. Um, and is followed by Catholics and Orthodox, as far as I'm aware, but not Protestants. They don't really... It's a deuterocanonical book that they don't really take... We don't take as seriously, but they take yeah. it more in terms of church structure and stuff. The, the argument for how grace is conferred mm-hmm. is grace is conferred through the covenant to the individual mm-hmm. by God seeing... Son, not you. Yeah, right? which is accepted by faith. Yeah. Not okay. we're talking yes. about saving yeah. grace, right? I'm grace. Just any grace. Is there God gives grace to the unsaved sa- too? So, sorry, he gives grace to the unsaved just in different ways, just not salvific grace, right? I think we're talking about mercy there, but yeah, saving grace. Yeah. Um, he conveys grace through the covenant to the individual, and you partake in the covenant mm-hmm. through the communion. Yes, I'm on board with that, but I don't know if the grace aspect is confer- is conferred through the taking of communion. The taking of communion is entering into the covenant of grace. It's not entering, it's partaking. Yep. Mm. But the thing is that just because you're sure, partaking doesn't mean grace is bestowed upon you because you took it. Like, where does that come in? Like, you, you're already part of the covenant. You grace, grace has already been given to you. Why are you given extra grace just when you eat bread and wine. I, you're not I, obviously, it's special grace. bread and wine. Again, but. it is not the doing the thing. Mm-hmm. That is the instrument through which it is transferred. The same as uh, faith is how you enter in, but you operate in faith. Sure, but if you, you don't, don't, but if you don't do that, then you don't partake in the covenant, right? So it is by doing it that you partake in the covenant. Yes, because you have faith. Yeah. If you don't, if you do not. Much like baptism, yeah. No, no, no. But what I mean is, is that it is not your. It is your good works are a f- the fruit of faith, or is yep. or is partaking in, co- in communion an act of faith? It is an act of faith, yep. and it is by and faith that's that why it's required by the Reformed Church that a believer okay. partake and a believer of any church. And if it is an act of faith, that is how mercy and grace is given. Yes. Okay, I'm is, getting more sense. I'm. But it's an act of grace given every time you act in faith? Yeah. In what way? When you are obedient to God no, no, like, through faith, sorry. the Holy Spirit is sanctifying you. So it is salvific grace. Yeah. I'm, That's what I was asking. <laughs> well, you were asking how was grace conferred? Well, now I am. But before yeah. I was asking, is it salvific grace or is it just grace in general? Um, if, it's, if it's sanctification, grace of sanctification, then... It implies that when you're not doing it, you're not receiving as much, right? No, because as we allied, you cannot measure the amount of grace that is given to the individual over the span of his life. Correct, but you can, but you're right, absolutely, in terms of volume and stuff, but you can say in terms of instance of taking, of taking communion, one person takes one less than if they would, if they took one more, they're still technically receiving less than if they took that one more. If that's the case, the Bible doesn't get into it. 
Yeah, but but that's what issue, he's yeah, saying. You no, no, no. say, but that's yeah. not what you. That's he says. Colton says that you, Josh, yes. are saying that. And as far as I can tell, you, Josh, are saying no. That's not what I'm saying. I am not saying mm-hmm. that if I don't think you can. The Bible doesn't get into the cost value equation of action to grace dispensed. Yeah, I agree. But the thing is that if you if you then say that grace is dispensed through the ordinances more so than if they weren't done, then isn't that you measuring it rather than me? No, because it's saying that grace is conferred through faith as an obedient action. Mm-hmm. I think that's the linking thing. Yeah. So when you act in obedience through faith because of the Holy Spirit's power, mm-hmm. he is sanctifying you. Which is an act of grace. Which is an act of grace. Okay. That, yeah, the parallelism yeah. part. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think you might just agree with symbolic parallelism. I don't agree with symbolic parallelism, but I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on to the next denomination. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anabaptists. What do they believe? Who wants to take Anabaptists? <laughs> they believe, and this is a big one, nothing. <laughs> we got a lot of notes. This is very far. Got a lot of notes for not believing anything. <laughs> so, actually, does Resident Baptist want to take this one, or should I take it? You should take it. Okay, so they're effective, effectively anti-sacramental, which I th- think is actually what your point was, maybe? And when you explained the difference between sacraments and ordinances, that's kind of what you were getting at, because um, they are, it says merely ordinances, but I think that's like even stating it that way is, is a little misleading, because um, it's not less, it's that the communicative effort was in a different place, right? Yes. Would, would you say that? So it's not like they decided they weren't as important because they kept doing them and they didn't feel like anything was happening. It's like, no, they believe the actual communication of Christ was not to do them as, like you said, dispensers of grace, but rather as a means of remembrance or, yeah, the symbols, that they're at most symbolic and doesn't exhibit nor convey grace. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. word for word what we've got there at the doc. Um, Zwingli's kind of their guy for this, and when he said, <laughs> like, yeah, we he said, would agree with Zwingli, um, <laughs> as he was an Anabaptist himself, wasn't he? Or was he prior to the Anabaptists and just adopted? He was the leader of the Anabaptists. Okay, leader of the Anabaptists. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, there's as much spiritual significance as a birthday party, yeah, um, which was, I think is that was how somebody described his a little irreverent, yeah. it's, but it's, it's fun. a little extreme, yeah, yeah. I'm on board, <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> What you're going to find when you walk into a lot of contemporary evangelical churches is going to be this kind of null—it's not nullified. That's not the right word for it. There has never been as much of a focus. On yeah. Well, they take nerfed. specifically— Highly. They take yeah. specifically the passage in Luke and mm-hmm. in part of Corinthians, which is, do this in remembrance of me, mm-hmm. which is absolutely true. It is a tool—it is a practice of remembrance. Mm-hmm. The rest of the church just— disagrees that that's where you end they just they also don't focus on we talked a little bit about john yeah. 6 john mm-hmm. 6 talks about the bread of life and those can only reach salvation mm-hmm. through um through the taking of the blood blood and bread of of the the son of god yeah um they just say yeah that has nothing to do with it mm-hmm. not only that they also normally sideline the entire covenantal aspect and just throw it into the wind or if they do it's like a Hey, look at there's some parallels to the covenant here. Doesn't mean anything. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make connections. Yeah. yeah. They're not a huge fan of typology. 
Oh, well. Bible means Bible. <laughs> I guess we can't read the whole book if we only do a couple of verses. <laughs> um, so there's that kind of pushback against, rather than like a dynamic, there is a moment of grace being dispensed, um, that there's more of a static, just one line throughout the whole thing, and then you're just remembering that the line is there every time you take communion. Well, and yeah. then it's rather it's, than a up or down. It's yeah. just the eschatological. Hey, we're doing this till Jesus comes back, and then we'll do mm-hmm. it together in heaven. Yeah. yeah, and and we always read eschatological verses like that, like in doing something, we are signaling or furthering along the coming of Christ, mm. which is a oh, huge problem. And that's what Seventh Day Adventists they get really messed up in their eschatological stuff based off of that. Yeah. Um, but the whole thing is that you're doing it to remember that one day Christ will return. It's the same idea with that that verse, um, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that means when there's wars and rumors of wars, that means Christ is going to come back right now. Yeah. It's like, no, if there's wars and rumors of wars, that's just a signal. He's not back yet, and you mm-hmm. should remember that he's coming. Yeah. Right? So it's it's that same idea. This is the environment in which he'll return. Yeah. It'll be now. <laughs> yeah. Could be not. It is remembrance yeah. only. That's the mm-hmm. Baptist position. Yeah, and most evangelicals. <laughs> I like our Orthodox yeah. section because it just says mysteries. <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, it, they have some more <laughs> definitive beliefs. Yeah, you want to take the Orthodox view because you're the no, one who's... The reason I put that in was because I started with the Catholic one and then devolved downwards. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, so, something that should be quickly mentioned about the Baptist Anabaptist yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Anabaptists. Believed a lot more extreme things than most Baptists do. Uh, they are the precursors to the Baptists, but they're not quite the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although it is very, it is very funny. They they do yeah. believe very similar things in this. Just Baptists tend to be more reverent about it than, at least Wingley was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> but they are the the least of the entire Christian yes. family, um, in their reverence. In a traditional sense. I thought you were just going to say they're the least of the whole Christian family. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, but also. That mode is just generic evangelical interpretation, whether or not it's Baptist or Very Pentecostal modern. or yeah. mm-hmm. in most Methodist churches to a certain degree as well. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, Eastern Orthodoxy, their whole thing, divine mysteries. Like most things, Eastern Orthodox theologians would rather say what a thing is not than what a thing is. <laughs> so, What is it? Shrug. <laughs> well, it's not just juice, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Um, they can be seen. Not a horse. They get some st- stuff going as far back. Well, obviously, as Ignatius and a lot of the the early church fathers have a much more authoritative position in their theology, much like the Catholics. Um, as a Protestant, we're going to see a lot of parallels with how the Catholics, like, wow, Jesus' presence is in the bread. How? And they're like, well, it's not. Blah blah blah. Because that's how they'd answer the question. Well, it's not not there because he says it's my body and blood. Exactly. And then it's just like, so what does that mean? Don't know. <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> well, it's not a mystery. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, they don't go, most of them, as far as I'm aware, don't go anywhere near as far as the physical bread turns into the mm-hmm. physical body. Yeah. Transubstantiation. Yes. Which we should talk about at some point soon. We've been kind of talking about it yeah, a little bit all the way it, through. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Normally, they're they're. Imagine your full stale, your full blown Catholic position, mm-hmm. and just like turn it back two notches, and then add more mystery. Add more mystery. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not not God's body. Right. It, it is. 
Asterix. <laughs> it's somewhere in between being and not being. <laughs> mm. Man, Easter Orthodox are rough. Half bread, half. Well, it's 100% his Green. body and 100% bread. <laughs> <laughs> um, Catholics. Yeah. Should I just read the doctrine? Oh, in your in the big book that you have in, in my apologetics and Catholic doctrine book. I mean, I guess okay. I, 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 this is not in the notes. You're going off <laughs> script, buddy. In bullet point, in the Blessed Eucharist, Christ Himself, His body and blood, His soul and divinity, soul. is really, truly, and substantially present under the species, accidents, and appearances of bread and wine. Hell yeah! <laughs> I don't know. As a classification. It, it is, is physically and it spiritually. Is, as, as a classification, the the nature, the on the ontology of the object changes to Christ and to Christ's body and blood, but the appearance can te- keeps bread and wine. That doesn't make any sense. Mm, so it exists as the body, but it is physically bread. the bread. His soul hundred percent bread. That is present. That explains His the body taste. is present, but it 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 has the physical description of bread so the romans were right cannibalism <laughs> yeah, but it's not actually it, uh, no it doesn't appear like cannibalism but it is he's a f- oh, molecules are not think, body do you think there was a roman who came up to him and he says you're a cannibal and he goes oh yeah you're right <laughs> it's like his it's still presence bread. is affected by transubstantiation <laughs> i.e by a change in the substance of bread and wine into the body and blood of christ Body and blood, by the way, are capitalized. Trans Love here that. meaning across. Yes. Yes. Changes from one point to another point. He is wholly present, both under the species of bread and under the species of wine. When the sacred species of bread and wine are divided, he is wholly present in each part or division. So if you in if you divide the bread into its atomic parts, each of those atoms is the bread of Christ. So the bread is, is the divisible body. by Christ. It's the body of Christ. <laughs> the, the, the bread is divisible by Christ. Um, <laughs> but Christ is not is divisible it? by bread. By bread. What? I always like my sandwiches with dick. You couldn't get that joke out. Okay. Um, 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 you won't. I always like my sandwiches with the with <laughs> Christ. <laughs> anyway, uh, Joel, you're saying you, was well, something bothering you during this Something's episode? Something's been bothering me this whole episode, mm-hmm. and I looked up the Eucharist before we started, and the etymology of the word because I was like, "What? What word is that from in Greek?" And I, I had this whole theory about what it was or whatever, and I was wrong, so I'm not going to tell you what it was. Um, but it's Thanksgiving. We're grateful. Is Eucharist just where we get thanks, like, like saying grace from? Because we do it whenever we get together to eat. That's awesome. <laughs> and so is saying grace just? I think the participating the in the Eucharist. Say, that doesn't matter. No, I think like, say, saying grace hmm. is the pray before you eat, lest you um, what? eat and drink judgment upon yourself. <laughs> no, no. When Christ, when Christ on the, oh, I don't. Is it is it on the Sermon of the Mount where he says, uh, "Pray before you eat, uh, lest you get you choke or yeah, get poisoned and, and die. die." Yeah, I don't even remember that in the Bible. I'm gonna be honest one. with you. I'll, I'll look it up right now. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. vaguely familiar. <laughs> it's fine. Um, 
concluding questions. We all. I mean, that was mine. Well, we no. Should, we should talk about substantiation and the other two. Didn't we not? Consubstantiation. We didn't, we didn't, uh, differentiate consubstantiation. Would, would you like to do that for me? I don't know it as well as other people do. I know transubstantiation pretty well. I don't really Every, understand consubstantiation. Yeah. I've never heard of this. Um, consubstantiation is that it retains the substance of bread, but that the spirit, uh, that the body and blood of Christ is in the bread and wine in spirit. Right. So when the Catholics say it's the physical and soul of yeah. Jesus is in, they're saying the consubstantiation is the soul is there, but not the yeah. physical. Okay. Yeah. Because basically some people were like, why does it still look like bread? <laughs> it's not <laughs> just bread. <laughs> Believe me, bro. It's like bread. Walks like bread, smells like bread. At the end of the like 99 bread. thesis, Luther was like, but also it's bread. <laughs> I've had to eat it all and drink all the wine after serving communion. Also, we just lost all our Catholic... Yours. Oh, I think we lost them a while ago. Oh, please. I, I like hey. you. I like them too. I hope they've just as, been laughing at us well, this whole thing. Actually, I hope that they that everyone can see that as me and Colton exemplify mm -hmm. here, the four of us don't agree. Well, that's something I was going to say is like, what do yeah. we each believe? We're going to get there. Yep. That's yeah. the concluding questions. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, because we don't agree on this, uh, one of us here isn't saved, right? No. No. No? Oh. Nope. Yeah, Colton. <laughs> I think we found it. I think we found the one. <laughs> no. I'm just going to move into concluding questions because I want to ask you guys right. these questions. How often do you think we should be taking communion? First Sunday every month. Why? Uh, that's what my denomination does. And if you don't do it with other people, it kind of loses some of the value. Because it's memorial? So because, because we do it this way, we should keep doing it this way, which is the way we've always done it. And, and then we will continue to do as we've always done, and that's doing it. <laughs> Okay. Fair tradition, not necessarily a bad thing. Flawless logic. Uh, Colton, yes. how often should we be taking communion? I have no idea. What do you mean? Whenever my personal want, if I were to be in a church, would be once every two weeks. I could be very easily convinced to do way sooner than that. I don't think it's the most expeditious in terms of like convenience. Mm -hmm. um, also, it, I don't want to say it loses a lot of its... Um, specialness if you do it more often but at the same time i think it, it if it's too commonplace then it does lose a bit of a reverence if you believe that it is even mostly symbolic or covenantal even okay i, I don't know if it's if it's more covenantal um then it does mean, make more sense to do it more often but if it's more symbolic then it does make more sense to keep it more reverent in doing it less amounts of times i think i could be very easily convinced to do it every single day though i don't think it matters as much <laughs> That's too much grace for you, man. I agree. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm just kidding. Um, should it matter to do it at your own church or not? Like uh, it has to be in a body of believers. I agree. So people do that familially. Mm -hmm. um, people do that communally with their body of, uh, like, the entire local church. Or people do it at small groups as well. What about two mm -hmm. people? Can two people individually take or not individually, but together, just two people. Two people individually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, or does it have to be like a community thing where it's more than just two? Well, let me quote a passage that it's highly uh, used out of context. Well, I knew this where two or three are gathered, mm. so I am, am I also. also. In the bread. <laughs> Physically. Yeah. I think I think two can. Okay. Yeah. Well, Josh, if you think two can. <laughs> Holy <laughs> moly. This is horrible. No, what? No, I, I, I was, I was what, gonna make a two what do you got, Colton? 
Colton? <laughs> Colton. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe I said your name wrong. No, it's uh, funny. Colton, what are you asking? Um, how often do you think you should take it? Um, my church does once a month, the first Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, like Joel mentioned. Um, there has been, it has resurfaced in the Reformed Church a lot to do it every week. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And that's specifically because of that one passage at the Last Supper where Jesus says, whenever you meet, do this in remembrance of me. Mm-hmm. But that passage is... You can you can write books on yeah. <laughs> on how to reread that passage, and it's the only time he says it. So I think that passage puts forward the expectation you should be doing. This is, I guess, my opinion. Yeah. Now, that you should be doing it every week, and the early church did it every week, sometimes more. But and so I'm gonna go hard on that for whatever reason, and think that we should. That's fair. Can I offer a counter? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. It says whenever you meet. It doesn't just mean for church. Yes. What about a community event? Well, I think it's whenever... I think the articulation of the early church would be whenever you meet for a meal like that. Okay. Do communion. So what if you don't meet for a meal like that? Then don't do communion. But I think you <laughs> okay, should be so doing it What if a then a church says we're going to do it on the first Sunday of every month? It's fine. I don't think it's like yeah. invalid. So, yeah. Um, Slightly related question on this topic. Should churches eat together? Uh, like after say after church you have meals. a lunch breakfast oh, lunch well, dinner maybe, maybe commune commune well <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's communion so uh, uh, hmm. no but do you think that we should be eating meals and therefore also be doing uh, communion with it well every Sunday the Dutch have really figured out that if you provide food at events people are really likely to come Very it's true, true. my uncle yeah. in a northern town I know it's the spirit of God spirit of God helped not yes. just helped did the thing he helped um, they had uh, potluck after every single ch- church yep. service. Church resurrected. We did every other one. <laughs> no, no, no. That's after Christ comes. That's when the resurrection oh happened. You see, it was a symbolic use of the oh, of potluck. symbolism. Yeah. Symbolic potluck. Yeah. yeah. Potlucks are a great are. ministry. I think it would be interesting to actually have a meal setting. Um, for communion, but I don't know if you could ever do that in a church setting. I think you could do that in a familial setting or in a small group setting, mm-hmm. but I don't think you could do that in the church. Not even if like you have a meal after church and then it's like, oh, we're also doing communion too. Yeah, um, I've been at a church where we tried to do that. It worked okay. It was very weird, and I don't think I don't think the same reverence and introspection was at play when you mm-hmm. did that because it's in a you're in an environment of fellowship. Everyone's talking, sharing stories. Yep. Kids are running around, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I think it, it's helpful to separate mm. them. Can I ask another question? How does your church perform communion, Last Supper, Eucharist? What is the process that your church goes through that day? Um, standard Sunday service. And then there's yep. a section of the, of the service yep. where they will either... They'll normally use the deacons or sometimes they'll just get people from like members of their church or whatever. Um, They'll get them to either stand by the elements, depending on how big the church is, or they'll get them to hand them out. And they will read normally the first Corinthians passage. Yeah. Um, And then they do the, they'll read one section. They'll say, let us partake. We partake. Let us, then the next, read the next section, partake, partake. Um, And it's normally presented, at least in the Pentecostal church that I go to, it is purely symbolic in that. Baptist, more evangelical sort of way, and the covenantal aspects are completely sidelined. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's my yeah 
understanding of my denomination. So when your church does it, do they have, and then he broke bread, and then everyone breaks the bread at the same time, and there's that, like, really cool ripple effect? No. No. You guys don't do that? That sounds fun, though. That was awesome, yeah, because yeah. I had the wafers. There's a bunch of little cracks all across the... It, yeah. it was cool. It was yeah. cool. But then people don't do that out here. So now I break it earlier than everyone else, and I just feel kind of out of place. Hmm. Um, and one time... The one snap. My, my brain doesn't always work great, so one time uh, they said break the bread or whatever I wasn't paying attention and I thought everyone else drank so I just went back <laughs> yeah, I've done and that, I was yeah. standing on stage playing bass at the time right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it was Oof. pretty embarrassing I got told off afterwards but it's whatever <laughs> really? yeah, so you so were taking it with a good uh, in my church it was yeah. completely symbolic but also everyone was very you know it was super important that you did it right it was very right. important that you did it right and that you made sure you you right. were repentant which is right. the only time I've ever been told, like, hey, you got to confess your sins now. Not confess, um, repent of because your you sins Because you've got now. the timing wrong. Because you're about to yep. have communion, and, and you got to be careful of that. So that's kind of where that whole train of thought comes from. It's fairly similar to yours there, Caleb, but uh, we didn't care if it was deacons or anybody. Like, I was asked to serve communion, and I was, like, 14. Mm. Yeah. So, so the last church I've been at for longer than about six months consistently um, was back where I used to live, a Baptist church. Mm -hmm. So being a Baptist church, you can imagine that it was very much, they said the Corinthians verse, very uh, very symbolic only. Not, mm -hmm. Covenant wasn't really mentioned ever. It might have been mentioned a couple times. I don't remember. But um, like the covenantal nature of, yeah, do this in remembrance. Yeah. It, it was just the remembrance part. Mm -hmm. um, and then... We had bread, actual bread. So much better that way. It was. Um, <laughs> and then we had actual cups. We didn't have like the, the covered cups that they have now um, that were individually filled up by uh, some of the, uh, I want to say the deaconesses beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, we just all took it together. And then usually we did that, I think, once a month or once every two weeks. And yep. then we also had potluck. So Cool. We did. I think the potluck at the end is really fun. I think it's like fun. Once a month you guys would? Once every other week. Wow. Well, luck. That's nice. awesome. really frequent. Nice. Yeah. It is. Um, I don't know if we took communion every time or if it was every other time, but I can't remember. Hmm. Caleb, were you at my church when we did communion once? No. Okay. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. So my church, at the end of the sermon, that's when we do it. Mm -hmm. um, he does the sermon. He moves down to the, we actually have a physical table mm -hmm. up front uh, that it, it's placed on mm -hmm. first. Um, and then he reads the passage. Um, we say a little liturgy on like, this is our participation in the body of Christ. This is our participation in the blood of Christ and the covenant, stuff like that because the covenantal aspects. Um, and then we go up in waves and we stand in a circle around the table. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do that too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and we, uh, the, the music team and the, the, the elders all go first. Um, because then the worship team goes and they sing songs while we go through wave oh, okay. after wave. Um, and the elders are part, are the ones with the pastor handing out the bread, but not to everybody. What ends up happening is the pastor grabs the bread and wine and gives, we do bread and then wine. He passes the bread to the person to his right and to his left. And we, he says to them, this is Christ's body broken for you. And then when we do the wine, is this is Christ's blood poured out for you. Um, and then that person who gets it does that to the person to the right. And so we all give 
communion to each other. Mm-hmm. So like I get it, and then I say, "This is my Christ body broken for you." Um, it goes around, and the elders just put it up further in the circle so it goes by faster. Right. Um, and then yeah, the next wave comes up. They all do it. The next wave comes up. They all do it. Um, and then we have the song, parting blessing, and then the song. Um, yeah. We also did ours before, I think, the sermon. I yeah. could be wrong. I can't remember. Most do. Yeah. Yeah. We do, yeah. We do it after all the time. Mm. I've yeah. been in ones where they'll do the bread first, go through the sermon, yeah. then do really? the wine. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna, I got two more questions to blow through, and then we're yes. going to close. We're going to rapid fire. Are you ready? Let's get this thing. Let's okay. get this thing going. Okay. Does it have to be bread and wine? My answer is no and no. <laughs> but it would be nice if it was, in my opinion. If it can, it has to be. If it can't be, then I don't see why we should force that one point. As a proponent, a proponent of it's mm-hmm. not trans-substantive, trans I think there's a lot less weight in the actual things themselves. Yeah. Um. I think it would be nice, actually, if a church did. I also understand the reasons against it, and I think that those, like the, you don't want to serve alcoholics wine kind of idea. Yeah. I understand that, and I think that's probably a better good than have actual physical wine. Yeah. Although, say in a small group, if everyone's not, I think it's actually a good idea to do it. More, you, more connective. Yeah, I'm fine with the, we have access to a lot of bread, so we use bread, um, but we use the grape juice because it's a derivative of wine. Um, but then, uh, like, we won't... I don't remember us buying, like, raspberry juice. Like, it's grape juice. Yeah, we always did time. grape juice. I think it's the 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 fewer obstacles you can put in between yeah. the, t- the symbols of, like, what they, what they yeah. were and, and how we use them, the better. Yeah. Okay. Out of all of the things we've talked about, where do you line up? I line up with... Like, transubstantive, consubstantive, yeah. parallel, or symbolic... Yeah. What's the last one called? I can't remember. Ordinance, symbolic. Yeah. I can't remember. And, mm. and so, like, my position is very similar to Josh's. However, I get a little uncomfortable with the, with the, um, it is a dispenser of grace. Actually, this conversation has given me some new thoughts that I may have to rethink through. But I am heavy in the covenantal articulation mm. of communion. And I think that that would be nice to have come back. I'm very kind of, Almost vehement in that way. Anyway, yeah. Joel. I think in drinking it and in having a repentant heart, I know that you guys don't care about that part as much as I do. But <laughs> I, I truly think that your, matters, yeah. Um, yeah. your receiving of grace in that moment is not necessarily done through the cup, but it includes you in the covenant and the eschatological hope. So yeah. that's where I am. Josh, you should go first. Yeah? Okay. Um, Joel, your point about coming at it with a repentant heart. Mm-hmm. The Sunday before, the elder uh, who's doing the, like, the family prayer does tell the whole community. It's like next Sunday is the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Prepare, talk to it with your, mm-hmm. about yeah. it with your family and stuff like that. So they, they, there's a similar approach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I believe in the covenantal aspect. Um, I believe that through participating, it is an act of obedience through faith and that grace is conferred by the Holy Spirit. Not the sub thing itself. Cool. Colton. Personally, um, this might be more how I was raised, more than what I've come to conclude. Although I think that my conclusions are still this. I understand the, um, whatever, the covenantal stuff in terms of like, this is a sign of the covenant, that kind of idea. However, I don't think it's, I don't want to say it's not there because it is, but I'm of the more just pure symbolism 
mm-hmm. side side of it. There is no covenantal bond that happens with communion. I don't really see it as the sign of the covenant, just a an aspect of the covenant. Um, this new covenant that Jesus gave by giving his grace. I don't think that any special grace is conferred. I don't want to say special grace because that implies that there's something specific that only happens during this, but grace is conferred through it because it's not much different from any other action that you would commit as a Christian. Okay, cool. I don't think it really has any uh, substantive value in terms of uh, soteriology. What what am I thinking of? Sanctification. Sanctification. Yeah, I, I don't really think so. At the same time, I do think it's very important for the body to, to do it. It's symbolic in terms of it is the thing that the, they do in remembrance of, of Christ and his death for us Lovely. and resurrection. Let's get this thing over. Joel, you want yeah. to close it off for us? Yeah. I mean, if you've listened this far, then you might as well go one step further and follow us on our socials. We're on Instagram. We're on the internet as www.secondratesaints.com. You're going to find a link to all of our things we've got going on and hopefully more to come. We've got big things in the works. And, uh, yeah, look out for us, internet. Love you. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.